buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. In the world of sales, you either sink, swim, or break through to the next level. My name's Colin Mitchell, and this is Sales Transformation, a new kind of sales show designed to bring you through the epic, life-changing moments of elite sellers so you can experience your own sales transformation. All right, welcome to another episode of Sales Transformation. I'm very excited for today's guest. I've got Brad Seaman, the CEO over at Monster Connect. Uh, we recently partnered with Monster Connect. We've been using their product. I'm very excited to learn a little bit more about Brad's story, the origin story of Monster Connect and everything in between there. Brad, welcome to the show. All right, Colin, thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, man, we were having too much fun here before, so hopefully you saved some of the good stuff for the live recording. <laughs> oh, man, I, I did, I did. Uh, so just let's kick it off here and give us like, where did your sales story start? Where did Brad's sales story start? Yeah. So, so I grew up in a family, I, I think it was very, was very entrepreneurial, uh, early on. Um, you know, my first, I, I, I can remember being in the garage. I was always coming up with things like coming up with ideas and inventions and then trying to go out and pedal those to the, to the neighborhood, uh, to the kids at school, I had a, um, I was laughing. I was having lunch with a friend of mine and he, we were bringing up old names of people and he brought up two twins that were in our seventh grade class. And we started laughing because I ran a uh, hemp uh, necklace business and I had set up all these channel resellers. And so I had three uh, middle schools and I had, I had basically hemp necklace dealers at all the middle schools. Yeah. And the two girls that ran, I laugh, I call them that they ran the channel were Danielle and Nicole Spears. They were like the channel managers. So they were cheerleaders <laughs> and they cheered. And so every weekend when they go to the, the middle schools, they would peddle the necklaces and get us new. Them and Melissa Kelly would get us new uh, new resellers. So I, I can remember my, I wanted to buy a pair of Birkenstocks really bad. And so I, I was able to, to, to sell enough hemp necklaces to buy, buy Birkenstocks. Wow. And um, so, I, yeah, so that's, that's, that's funny. It. You started early. I, I had a similar story where I used to sell these at school. I'd sell these little uh, like, you know, people would want to put these little fancy uh, like caps on the air valve on their tires, on their bikes. Okay, yeah. Like we call them like chromies or they had ones with like yeah, yeah, skulls. Oh, yeah, the chromies. Yeah, you get, yeah, skull, you get skulls and crossbones <laughs> or eight balls or like all this crazy stuff to, you know, that we thought was cool in like elementary school. And I was like, I can go buy these over here at the store um, and, and then sell them at school and, and mark them up. And, and I had different friends doing it and stuff like that. And it was like, it was all just to get, I needed some new sneakers. Yeah, I just wanted you, new sneakers. You wanted, you wanted some and new sneakers. I grew up poor, like new sneakers didn't happen unless I could 
you know, figure out a hustle. So, um, yeah, it's, it's funny. So you sold hemp necklaces. I sold chromies. <laughs> yeah. That's, and I had a, I had a, t- a couple of t-shirt fail. I liked, I, I liked to pedal the t-shirts. Um, I, I don't think I was good at pe- the t-shirts were hard to pedal. I couldn't get that. Pr- they didn't, didn't have the awesome irons they have now. If I, yeah. if I had access to the, the ins, like you go to a sporting event and they do the instant irons, I didn't have access to that. So my, my t-shirt quality was low and that yeah. affected my, my pedal. Yeah. I didn't figure out the channel partner. The channel partner stuff is early on as you though. That, that's, that's well, I wish I, I wish I implemented it better in the software business. It was easier the, the, the hemp business or the hemp business. When I was, <laughs> back when I was peddling hemp, um, no, the, the hemp, the hemp necklace business was easy. I did these two girls like my, they just kind of took it on and they, they owned it. And, um, so they just, they just stepped in and, and, and owned it. But, um, yeah, so that was kind of my first experience. And then I'll go off to college. Um, I'll come back and, um, come home for the summer and I will get, um, thrown into running, um, the, the family call center. So my family had a lead generation, uh, call center that did lead generation for mortgage companies. Mm-hmm. And this will start in the late nineties and, um, and, and go to about 2008. Uh, and at some point there's a, there's a, my, my dad and brother had started it at some point. My, my brother will kind of step out and have his own, uh, call center that has, you know, four or 500 agents. And that's when I, when I, when I really got involved. So my high school jobs, um, I would say we're, we're being in my early, early jobs are being in the, the call center. I would, uh, I do a lot of live monitoring. Uh, they taught me to run the call center software. Um, and so my directional path for my career was going one way. And then my brother comes outdoor, uh, you know, it was, it was, a, it was probably July. It's hot. Uh, he had started a, uh, got a new building and I'm outside doing landscaping. I have no interest or trying to be in, in the call center business. Um, I'm just trying to buy some time before I go to grad school. And um, he comes outside and says, hey, I just fired the COO and I need you to come in here and run this thing. And I can remember him spilling coffee on his pants because he was trying to keep the door open while he was while he was yelling at me. And so I came <laughs> in and he said, hey, look, I'm going on vacation. Um, I know you you know how to use the, I, know, I know you know how to run the call center product. Um, you know, here's here's some of the updates that have come out. You know, here's how you restart the servers. And um I'm leaving tomorrow, like Wednesday. It's like I'm like a Monday maybe. And, um, he leaves and, and, you know, I end up being in charge of 400 call center agents. And, wow. um, it was a combination of, uh, running, running the call center and then, um, running the software. And so from there, the mortgage market will implode. We'll get into appointment setting. Uh, him and I will step out and, and get into appointment setting for software and technology companies. And that'll, we'll get that up to maybe, a, I mean, that was just rocket ship growth. And then the great recession happens and um, why we're trying to grow and scale that business. Uh, it just got harder. It, it was really a challenge to hire good people. Mm. And you really found yourself in this 80, 20 um, complex. We had 20% of your guys, you know, roughly 25, 30 guys that were really driving revenue. And the rest of the guys were, you essentially had to have to, um, to hit your number. And the the challenge, and I think this exists in any um, service business, 
is, you know, the challenge with the service business is you're as good as it, it's the clients you can get and the employees you can hire, right? And the challenge is trying to get the right clients and the right employees at the right time. And um, what ends up happening in a service business is that you end up getting into what I call peanut butter staffing, which is where you bring on, a, if, you're, if you're providing a service, uh, you bring on a bunch of clients and then you're trying to move your best people around to solve the problems because everybody's not, everybody's not an A, you know, everybody's not an A player. And so yeah. out of that kind of peanut butter staffing issue uh, that existed, uh, Monster Connect, uh, a software will emerge. So I'll build a software while we're doing the appointment setting. Um, but then the idea of Monster Connect, lively transfers were where the family calls or the family business really had staked its claim. So we get somebody on the homeowner on the phone and we would transfer them over to the salesperson. And um, I can remember standing um, in the call center one and that's time. Still pretty, and that's still pretty common in the industry, right? Like it they is. still yeah, operate yeah. that yeah, way. There was a lot of live lead, yep, yep. Live lead transfer, you know, whether it's your insurance, it's your mortgage, uh, real estate, um, all of that. Yeah, calling somebody, whether it's an inbound lead, just making that that transfer to another to another party. Um, what, what the, when the lights came on for me was we introduced this thing. The product we used was called AMCAT and it's long gone, but they had this thing called a verification agent. And the verification agent, we would send the more, once you got a lead, this is in the mortgage space. And this yeah. is the mortgage uh, experience is really where I get all of the experience that'll eventually become Monster Connect will come there because there was there were three th there was a handful of things that were happening. The first thing that happened was I'm going to watch um, I'm going to stand on a late on a late night in the summer. I'm going to be standing there watching the verification agents take calls. And so what would happen is the I'd get you on the phone calling as a telemarketer, and I'd say, Hey, we're going to your uh, you know would you like to take you know like to take cash out by a fishing boat. You want to go on a family trip. Um, you'd say, Hey, I'm in a fixed or I'm in a, you know, I'm in a, in an arm and we go through the whole deal and I'd capture all your information. And then at some point I would send you the loan officer. Well, the problem was without a verification agent, um, things could go wrong from the handoff. So they would, you know, in a recording, you'd hear the homeowner tell the, the, the actual agent a bunch of information that when they got to the loan officer, all of a sudden that, that information changes for whatever reason. I don't know why. Um, but information would get, or you'd have agents maybe say stuff that, um, you know, there'd be some discrepancies between, you know, what was, what should have been or could have been captured on the, so we introduced these verification agents. Well, the verification agents would sit in this little pod. And when somebody had somebody they were ready to transfer, they'd raise their hand. And when they'd raise their hand, they'd hit the button and it instantly go. And I remember just watching, like being mesmerized, how quickly the calls would go from one side of the call center. I mean, instantaneously, like before you could even notify the person that call on one side of the call center is now on somebody else's phone. And I, I just remember thinking like, that's man, that's, that's, un, that's unbelievable. 200 milliseconds, bam. Um, yeah. And so the second thing would happen is we take our call center agents and we would take the best four of them and we'd say, hey, call these mortgage companies. And when you get somebody, just hot transfer them back to the back yeah. of the call center, back to the sales team. So you get somebody and we landed like just tons of, like a lot of really strong business with that process. 
So when we got so to I, the I can, appointment, I can, see, I can see where this is going. Yeah. Right? So, so, the, like, so, so, yeah. so when somebody's like, how do you start it? Well, it, the, the reality was it was a lot of different experiences. It wasn't like we didn't sit down with an idea. It evolved. And so we'll get into the appointments. I'll build a dialer at the uh, appointment setting business, which will be the next phase. And then that'll run its course. And then I'll basically be sitting around trying to figure out what I'm going to do next stage of my life. And I'll combine all these experiences. Uh, and it was really kind of an act of, I mean, it was, it was, it, 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 I mean, the stories, you know, I think he told me to keep it, keep it tight, but it was really kind of an act of, of God that all this stuff would come together one day. And so, um, you know, just, I mean, I could talk on and on about that, but, um, Things, you know, the business, these experiences all converge and Monster Connect becomes a business. And, um, the you know, the problem that it solved is it, it solved the idea, uh, like at least the initial solution was, hey, this is a way to take your already resourced, already trained sales rep and then get them on the phone with more prospects and alleviate that 80-20 peanut butter staffing friction. Because mm-hmm. that's what, I mean, even sales teams have peanut butter staffing. I mean, you go out and you hire, you hire a group of guys, you've got two or three that are really good, and then you're taking your best guys and you're trying to spread them on as much of the good accounts as you can. And um, this became a solution for that. Uh, became a way to get your mo- the most out of your already resourced, already trained, already insured um, reps. And Monster Connect you know, essentially allow you to have a whole day, you could accomplish in a day what take or in an hour, what takes a whole day for somebody to do by themselves. So, and, 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 and so what it sounds like is, you know, all of your experience in the family business and the call center and the apartment setting, kind of seeing how that technology worked, kind of operating that, seeing some potential problems and things like that are, are basically what gave you all of those experiences added up to building Monster Connect. Co- correct. And my, yeah. my initial take was, I mean, there was a lot of stuff that I didn't, so, so the subjectivity that existed in the appointment setting business from a personality perspective just drove me crazy. Like I just, I struggled with, you know, I wanted to have a product that was, that was the win, the, the win case was mm-hmm. black and white. We were either accomplished the goal that was at hand or we didn't. And it was, it was more like swimming and less like swan diving, you know, where it's all, or, or where everything's on a boat, right? Like swimming's black and white. You either, you know, finish at a specific time or you did, you know, you either did it or you didn't do it. You either broke the record or you didn't break the record. Uh, you know, if you do court, if you do like, uh, you, you know, some kind of, uh, whether it's figure skating or coordinating swimming, that's all judge. That's all judging based on somebody's opinion, right? Mm-hmm. It's not based on the reality of whether you accomplish it. And I was just yearning for a business model that allowed you to have, um, you know, a cut and dry. So Monster Connect allowed that to occur. Because in the business model, at least early on, uh, you know, the real focus was getting prospects on the phone for our clients through the through the technology um, that we developed in the process. And then you either got them on the phone with um, Colin or Bill or John or whoever the prospect was or you didn't. It was really easy to figure out if you were doing your job or not. Yeah. The interesting thing is like, you know, face value, right? It's having more conversations. It's building pipeline faster. It's doing a day's worth of prospecting in an hour. Like those are the things that like resonate and people get that, yep. right? But it's actually solving a much bigger problem that I think people just don't quite understand, right? Which is like, it's the staffing problem. Yeah. There's a, like, 
hiring good quality sales reps is not an easy task. And I, somebody said something the other day that made me laugh. It's never hiring good people is it's always hard, <laughs> no matter what market or no matter what market yeah. you're in, right? It's always hard to find good people. And 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 so if you already have a team of you know great reps in place, it's really making them more productive as an alternative to hiring more people. Correct. Yep. And that's how I think about it. And I really think about the tool. I mean, it's a tool. I mean, you, you and and hopefully over over time, we you know the tool will evolve and it'll have more uh, it'll have more components. But you know, today really the primary focus is around the live live dial, kind of live dialing or agent assisted dialing, yeah. however you want to think however you want to think about it. Um, where we're combining, you know, early on it started out as you know people dialing and then transferring calls through the application. Over time, it's evolved, so it's a combination of the people and the technology. So we're blending those two things together. So when we can use technology, we use technology. When we need to bring a person in, we bring a person in. Um, what that looks like for the client is every two to four minutes, um, just like you show in your in your live cast uh, mm-hmm. using our product. Every two to four minutes, you're talking live to a prospect, um, yeah. and you're Which getting blows people's minds. It, well, it's my it's mind blowing. I mean, well, because there's all these people saying, "Oh, cold calling is dead. Like you shouldn't be cold calling. Like doing all, like." And it's still the best way to build pipeline. You're just not doing it right in a lot no, of cases. A hundred percent. And I think a lot of people, I think what's now I'm going to kind of riff. I'm going to talk a little bit about the what I think's actually happened in the market. So I think the one reason why phone. So I think it's really important to understand like the purpose of phone prospecting, because I think people get it confused. They get mm-hmm. it. They get sales and prospecting um, kind of meshed together. And I think it's really important that you keep those two things separate. Um, when you think about a prospect and I think about a gold miner, their whole focus is just trying to identify initial flakes of gold, right? I mean, that was their, that was their, that's their job. And that's the same thing for a prospector is you're trying to uh, identify initial points of interest. You're not yeah. trying to sell. That's not, that's not the place for, for prospecting. I think that's one of the big confusions that people get. And I think that they, um, they look at uh, phone prospecting as a, win loss game based on revenue when that's like the start like you can't look i don't believe that's where you look at that you look at the number of opportunities that you can create and you're really looking at like turning oh i think i heard somebody say uh prospecting is like um you're basically like it's identification right you're flipping over you're trying to you're sorting you're looking at a a haystack and you're trying to get through the to the needles right you're trying to figure out who's a good you know, where the needles are. You're not trying to, you're not trying to sew with the needles. You're just trying to get to them. Yeah. Um, People look at it as like the goal is, you know, you go into it with the goal of like booking meetings, which, okay. Yeah. It's sort the goal, of, right. Yes. Right? Is, but, but, but when you go into it with that mindset, you're kind of setting yourself up to be disappointed. In a lot of oh, cases no, I, agree, I agree. I agree. And I, and know, I think that's, I think that's super important is like, if you really think about getting somebody on the phone and really trying to, uh, build a relationship, build a relationship with that, identify, get information, you know, understand the buying process, understand who makes the decision. You know, I find in most cases, like when I look through notes um, of our, our calls and client calls, when I see the not interested, typically people try to double down and like pitch. It's usually because the person's not interested. It's like they're not the right person. Yeah. It's not that they were not interested because you suck. It's because they're not interested because that's not what they're involved in. If you're invo- if you if you own something, 
you typically are interested in anything that's going to make you better at it. Yeah. And so I think people get that, you know, super confused. But here's what I think's happened. I think this is important for people to kind of understand what happened. Why? So 2005, it is super easy to get people on the phone. Okay. There's, uh, it's, you, you know, you get people on the phone. There's a lot of receptionists. They want to help. They're now they're they're navigating you around. Um, mm-hmm. You call them and you're saying, "Here's what I'm trying to do." And we still see a lot of that kind of sales coaching. You know, maybe it's Aaron Ross. Like, can you help me get in the right place? All yeah. of those receptionists are gonna get um, gonna get removed heavily in 2007, eight, and nine. So Voip's gonna you, which you know about. Voip is gonna hit the market. IVRs are going to hit the market. Receptionists are going to go away because the economy is going to um, tighten up. And now you have a new prospecting game. So now you have all these technologies like IVRs that have essentially now stopped the, the, the help, all the helpers that existed inside an organization that are going to kind of guide you around are now gone. And that's what makes it so hard to get people on the phone, not because people don't want to talk to you or solve their problems. Look, everybody's got problems and they need solutions. Um, You know, I don't think phone prospecting is less effective than it was 20 years. It's just the the game has changed and people need to change how they're approaching it if they want to have it to be successful. And so. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I think that the um pe- pe- people that are you know prospecting the way that they they used to before yeah it's not working you know and 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 you even see this in the live sessions right like i'm just open to trying anything right like we had david walter come on and he's like try asking people how are you doing and there's you know 50% of the sales coaches consultants that you talk to will say don't ever ask that like, don't ever ask that question, right? And I'm more of the campus, like, you need to just test an experiment. Like, don't listen to the gurus or the coaches or the people spouting stuff on, on LinkedIn that probably haven't made a cold call in this decade and just get out there and go try and experiment with your own stuff. Like, people are just too dynamic and who you're calling, what you're calling about um, matters. And so you got to test and experiment these different things and find what works best for you. What he said, so there was a lot of takeaways from that session that were really important. And I think one of them was he, he said, hey, you got to be really careful that you're not changing your script on every call. Because all of a sudden, he's like, you need to come up with something. You need to test it. And you need to get reps on it. You can't right. like what I think what people have a tendency to do is like they take one person's call and then they change the whole script. And now all of a sudden you got this script that's designed off all these little micro interactions that you have. And it's like this Frankenstein script versus taking something and really working it and trying to figure out, Hey, is this going to work? Or is this not going to work over a period of time? I think, I think he was right. Reps are too quick to try to, to change. But I think the biggest thing, um, and this is my, this is my belief. And I think it just comes to, this is what I believe it comes down to. When somebody picks up the phone, there are, there are two thoughts going there are two thoughts going through their mind and only two thoughts. Yeah. yeah. Who the heck are you and why the heck are you calling me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now people pick the phone up because they want something exciting to be on the other line. I mean, I just ask people like, why would you think this was going to be like when you clicked over, like what were you hoping to find over here? Yeah. Cause you were doing something else. I mean, when you pick that up, you thought you want it to be something. When you flip over and take a phone call, you want there to be something on the other line. And so, um, 
I think the better you can answer who you are and why you're calling, the better the calls go. I mean, it's the difference between if I'm coming to your, if I come to your neighborhood and you've had a windstorm, that conversation is way easier for me to come up to your door and say, Hey, I saw there was a windstorm. Um, you know, you know, can I take a look at your windows versus, Hey, would you like wind? I mean, would you like some window maintenance repair insurance (laughs) on a storm? You're not sure it's going to hit your, um, hit your house, but the better you can answer who you are and why you're calling, um, I think the better. And I think that's why branding becomes really, really important. When you call somebody and you have a brand, that's going to make a better, better phone call because you've answered that first question um, already with marketing of who you are. If I call you from LinkedIn, that's going to be a better phone call than if I call you up from Link Me Up from Miramar, Florida or Sunrise, <laughs> Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Um, link Me Up no, from I Sunrise, think- Florida is going to get you in the, uh, get you blocked. I think that's a great point. Like the quicker you can answer those questions, the better, right? Um, because if there's, if those questions aren't answered or they're still thinking, it just creates too much well, friction. No, that's because that's what you're thinking. When you call me and I don't know who you are. Now, I do think some of that friction's okay because what happens is immediately when they don't know who you are, they, and I know that's what people are thinking because what do they ask you when they can't, when, you, when, you, when they don't know who you are, what do they say? Who'd you say you were with? Would yeah. you say your name was? I mean, you just yeah. told them, yeah. but then they asked yeah. again. So that's yeah. they're they're like they're picking the phone up, they're changing gears, and now you're trying to get you got to get them on the same same place. Now, I know there's a lot of conversations around like interruptions and like trying to. I think you already my my belief is you already interrupted them when they picked up the phone. Right. You already stopped. They already made an interruption. They were doing something else, and now you now they've clicked over. And I I think there's a lot of games around the introduction. And I think the biggest thing and why I like David's like, how are you? Yeah. I, you know, I think there's a lot of, you got to get the prospect talking, right? They got to become, I mean, they got, you got to get them to talk. And um, I think phone prospecting is like way, I just don't think it's that complicated. You got to get to the data. You got to find some reason that you're calling. You got to call them. And then you got to you got to engage with them. And I think the other thing is like meeting people for most people is really uncomfortable. Like there's a like anybody that I've ever met that I like I met at a, like I have some friends that I've met. I have lots of friends that I've met at trade shows or I've met at like events or like people that I've met at like sports events. Um, those first thirty seconds or or a couple minutes are always kind of weird while you're punching around trying to figure out you know what to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, this is definitely interesting. I mean, we're we're uh, we are doing it live every Wednesday, ten to eleven. Thanks to uh, Monster Connect. If you want to see what we're doing, Brad, where can people connect with you and learn more? Yeah, so you can go to uh, www.monsterconnect.com, or you can come to LinkedIn, and uh, you can find me on you can find me on LinkedIn. Awesome. We will we will drop the links there in the show notes for everybody. If you enjoyed today's episode, please write us a review, share the show with your friends. It really does help us out. And we're always listening for your feedback. You can go to salestransformation.fm, drop us a voice DM, and I will get back to you. Hey, you stuck around. That tells me you're serious about your own sales transformation. If you're tired of doing things the old way and want to get started in your journey with other people on the same path, head over to salescast.community and crush your numbers on your leaderboard. Yeah, it's free, salescast.community. Send me a DM with your best pitch 
and mention this ad, and I might even give you free access to our best templates.